Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Yourself podcast with myself and Christy here. Um, back actually together, it's been a little while, it's been a lot of guest appearances and uh, various different experts from the field of sports and sports science uh, talking about their own experiences and their knowledge. So, um, But now it's back, the two of us, to kind of discuss a little bit more about some of our um, key topics in the area of um mental health and sports science um, and one of the big things I think that came up as a bit of a trend at least from my perspective and Christy I suppose you can kick us off with your initial thoughts and that was that when you talk to a lot of sports people and athletes of any perspective one of the big thing that uh, I think is a big trigger point um is it's either injuries which is one we've we've discussed but I think injuries kind of is a subsection of this whole concept of failure and how you deal with failure, how you process failure, and how you come back from failure. Um, and it's obviously a key topic for uh, sports psychologists as well. So um, maybe to start off, Christy, just kind of give your initial thoughts on uh, failure amongst athletes and, you know, what, yeah. what, what do you think about uh, you're after, um You're after saying something I didn't even think about, which was injury, uh, which is interesting. But um, yeah, I suppose we'll start with failure first. So you have me thinking now, I suppose the difference between failure and injury is that you would argue that failure is something that, well, to some athletes is under your control, while injury is it's not. So managing that is quite difficult. Um, but on the topic of failure, I think it's extremely relevant to sport because um, you have to be the very best to win. And so in order to be the very best, you have to dedicate yourself to training and practice again and again and again. And because of that dedication, that makes failure so much harder in sport because you have so much more to lose. You have all that time and effort that you put in as opposed to half-heartedly um, trying something and then failing. So I think in high-performance uh, sport, it, failure is really, really something that's difficult to deal with a lot more than general life. Um, have you failed before, um, uh i think this is always an easy one uh I, it's kind of like those ones where someone make a list of all the things you're you're not so good at and make a list of all the things you are good at you'll always be uh and, and this actually is something I'll, I'll ask the question in a minute but um uh, across sport life career um i think there's always little um things and failure i think is a subjective thing as well so what's failure to one person isn't to another i think that's why you know at least my experience in this series talking to athletes who have gone to the highest level and when they talk about some of the small things that they deem as failure to you seems so ridiculous considering they've reached the peaks that they have but uh, on on the whole thing around failure um what is the psychological thing around uh the fact just as i said their failure being some the, the things you always remember you know the you know you always remember your failures rather than remembering actually the successes more so it's a constant theme as well with sport athletes okay cool question um so i'll say first you're saying that failure is subjective i suppose that goes down to um that's because goals are subjective so different athletes or different people will set different goals and a failure to meet those goals um is basically the subjective failure but i suppose it goes back to what i was discussing with anya um and I think yourself at some stage, the idea of these smart goals that you have to have attainable goals. Like I can't come out and say, I'm going to get an Olympic medal. You know, it's just, it's not realistic. So 
when you set realistic goals that you think you can meet and you don't meet them, I think that is the subjective failure, particularly relevant to athletes. Um, in relation to what you mentioned about um, failure being memorable, it ties in. Um, it's actually the same literature related to trauma, for example. And that's because emotional information is far more memorable than non-emotional situations. And if you obviously care about what you're doing and you fail at it, that's obviously going to create a an emotion, negative emotional reaction. And so the hippocampus, the part of our brain that where memory is stored, it's closely interacting with the amygdala, which is tied with emotion. And so more emotional situations are going to be more difficult. Um, but it works for the same thing as you'll always remember a success when you tried really hard as well. So I suppose that is the high level that we're talking. That's why that's why the failure is worth it, because if you do eventually achieve, that's something that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life as opposed to just being the best at something, putting no effort and still winning. You know, people don't remember that because mm. it didn't have much effort. So, um, so yeah, answering your question, it's, it's the high stakes basically is why failure um, is so memorable. Yeah. And I suppose it, 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 it comes down, and I don't know whether we've talked about this in previous series around how, um, traumatic events as a kid or when you're in those formative years um has a big impact on your mental health um is the whole concept for uh children having a healthy understanding of failure and addressing failure important in those development stages because obviously like um yeah if they see it as a really traumatic event it can impact them maybe as they get older into kind of later teens and adulthood yeah so uh again i'll try break the ties now between trauma and like failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah things but um yes this brings up a very good topic um the topic which we talked about briefly already so we won't go too much into it but the idea of uh, is everybody a winner in sport mm. you see we've spoken about this already but sport is important because sport is often a microcosm or a representation of life in the future in that you will try to do stuff, you will put effort into stuff, but you will fail. That's part of life. And children learning that at a young age, I think is really, really beneficial. And this is why I think this idea of everybody is a winner, everybody gets a medal, it's a poor attempt to protect children from the inevitability of failure, because failure is going to happen. And so that's not promoting independence. So I see that as like bad parenting or bad, um, just bad for children in general. But on that topic it's like the equivalent of um you know for example having a pet i think is a good thing because when your pet eventually dies you're going to have to go through that grieving process and that's something that you should practice in your younger years so that you're prepared for it in the future and that that way sport like i'm sure i remember i'm sure you remember your first big loss in sport mm. were a child like it's it's absolutely heartbreaking but that's development that is learning to accept failure and to deal with it um and that's a per, um important life lesson i suppose so and i suppose i mean like your background obviously is in sports psychology or sports science so i don't know how much you're aware of this but i don't know whether you see in in kind of when when, when we're talking to sports scientists around the characteristics of what makes a team successful is someone's or a team's ability to 
deal with and process that failure or have experienced that failure because you always hear the great ones like there's the famous uh, Nike advertisement from Michael Jordan about all the things he failed at and that's what makes him a success is is there evidence surrounding the fact that people who have gone through those experiences those failure moments are then ultimately more successful because they're able to deal with the peaks and troughs of high performance sport well, so the argument, I suppose, on that is a lot of people like take like Michael Jordan's probably like the most ridiculous example. Yeah. But um, no, but I mean, in relation to like, like that's mindset, you know, like the likes of like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, they were just endlessly obsessed with being the best. And so failure didn't phase them. I think that is largely mindset and that type of mindset is extremely unique. I don't think it happens. But on the topic that you're saying, I think it's important to know, particularly for coaches, that not everybody knows how to deal with failure. And so after losing a county final or after not qualifying for the Olympics or after um, basically just not meeting your goals at the end of the year, um, I think it's important that a coach should address that. It's not just go in, say, well done, lads, and then move on to next year. I think that is not processing the failure and you need to remember, particularly in team sports, but also in individual sports, there will be athletes who don't know how to deal with failure and it can lead to like a domino effect of unhelpful thought patterns around that failure. And so I think it's very, very important to address basically, firstly, to look at what they did well and what they did not so well. So like have a review, but also on top of that, address each individual as well with in relation to like, like, why do you think you failed or um, how are you finding this failure? Um, I think that's important. And I would imagine there's a lot of people who don't address that, that after the dressing room, after a loss, it's just to move on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't think that's always the right approach. Mm. And you were mentioning, and obviously this seems self-explanatory, that the only, because we argue that, you know, failure is a subjective thing that depending on the person and their own experiences, people judge different things as a failure in their eyes and other people might see it as, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then you touched on the whole idea of having smart goals that, you know, trying to be creative, but also trying to push yourself, be ambitious, but also achievable goals. That mean there's a level of struggle to get there, but then if you achieve it, there's an element of success. Is there anything to say around this idea that, you know, you get some people are maybe overly ambitious and then try and stretch their goals too far and then feel like a failure, even though, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're more successful, but they're trying to push themselves too far versus someone who lowballs their ambitions. And it always is, a, is, is an overachiever, if that makes sense. So I, I think um, in team sports and in individual sports, there should be a, an agreement between the players or the athletes and the coach of, what they want to achieve at the start of the year. I think that's very, very important. But that doesn't mean that the individual then can't have individual goals as well. Like, for example, in a team sport, let's say in soccer, a striker might make the, a team agreement that basically they're going to aim to win the league this year, but the individual might aim to have the goal of, I'm going to be the top scorer, for example. Yeah. So uh, I think in relation to that, what that does basically is it, it creates a balance between what's expected of the team or between your coach that can be realistic. And then also you can set goals that are slightly higher or slightly lower. 
Um, this idea, I think, like low volume is obviously not a good thing. Um, like you mentioned, if you set it too low, it's just, are you even making progress? That's the yeah. issue. But then I suppose you also have to look at, it's a matter of what does sport mean to you? Is it about winning or is it about like exercise, good health, meeting people? Or is it about um, like just consistency? It's just basically you're doing a good thing consistently. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a complicated question. It, it just depends on what you want, but it goes back to, we've talked about this again and again uh, in probably the first season, this idea of, Goals are important, but the goals have to represent your values. Your values have to re represent who you are. You have to know who you are. You have to understand what is important for me. What type of person do I want to be? And then those goals should follow, as opposed yeah. to just setting ridiculously goals that don't relate to you at all. Yeah. Like for example, if somebody's an athlete, it doesn't mean they have to or they they have to win. You know. Yeah. I don't think that's true for everybody. Like, you know, of course you get people with a really strong mindset saying that's stupid, but I don't think it's true. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it, you know, I, I think again, I think this comes back to this whole idea of sport being kind of a microcosm of life in a sense that the goal of every team in general, obviously in professional sports, maybe it varies. I think amateur sports, I think that whole winning mentality is almost a little bit higher because without winning, it's very hard to define a sense of achievement. Whereas if you're a low level or mid-level football team in a professional league, you might going up a, a couple of levels in the league might increase the money the, comp the team has made and things like that. So I don't know whether that impacts it either. Have you seen um, the film Coach Carter? Uh, no, I haven't actually. It's on my list. Oh, you're missing out big time. One of the best, in my opinion, one of the best sports films ever made. Um, oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't explain my point now because you haven't seen it, but um, a big, big theme in that film is the idea that growth doesn't mean having to win. Um, basically, like the synopsis of the film is the idea of this. It's a true story. This coach comes in and is making the point that the team are winning, but the problem is this, the basketball players are not going to excel in school so even if they uh like which means that even if they win all of their matches in the season they're still not going to go to college which means that their life finishes increases the risk of them um like ending up in jail or ending up unemployed um in the future and so in that regard the important message is for that team winning wasn't the important thing growth came in the form of basically making sure that they could balance having their basketball but also having like schools so that they could get educated so that they could get a job in the future so I, I i think that would be a good example in relation to growth doesn't always have to mean winning um mm. but again it's just i, I like like winning's good <laughs> it is winning is good and i think i think i think that's also a thing that is always like and i think we, we're at a funny stage in societal development maybe i can okay speaking for the western world i don't know you know but in modern uh first world society there is this whole bit of protectionism and uh you know overprotecting of kids and things like that and as we've talked about the whole idea of everyone's a winner isn't healthy it's also the element of winning is also good and it should feel good and kids should be allowed to celebrate it that that, that comes i suppose in that whole concept of the winning, everyone being a winner, not only, and I, I don't know whether we've mentioned this on this series, it, I don't know, it rings a bell in my head, like 
maybe you've said it or have heard it somewhere, but they always say is making everyone a winner. One makes the people who maybe weren't as good as some of the better players feel lesser because they almost feel guilty for being made a winner because kids aren't silly. They know what winning actually is. So when they get rewarded the same as the best players, kids start to feel a bit embarrassed. And then the best players start to diminish the value of winning because they think, oh, winning doesn't count. And so you are not helping the kids who are developing slower or the players who are falling behind and you're not developing or pushing the players who are pushing ahead, who are, are achieving higher to push even further. And so you end up actually not satisfying either group. And I think uh, yeah. that's that's something that's interesting. It's, um, it's like a representation, again, of kind of what's happening in mental health at the moment. It's this idea of like people think good mental health is being happy, but it's moving away from happiness and moving towards meaning. So rather than being happy all the time, which is just an emotion, it's giving your life meaning, having something to care about. And um, and that meaning involves failure. It involves negative emotions as well as positive emotions. Being happy is unrealistic because it's just an emotion, emotional state. And so when people always try to be happy, they basically try to throw away or remove all negative emotion. Hence, if you came last, you were still a winner. But if you move towards meaning, you work very, very hard to become first. And if you don't become, if you don't come in first place, you will feel that sense of failure. But that's okay because you're a lot better than you were. That's that meaning. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I think uh, what's interesting about this, you know, all of the topics this season is that um, we're obviously trying to contextualize why this is relevant to athletes, and we're also trying to contextualize why how other athletes or aspiring athletes may take the learnings from what psychology tells us about high performance athletes. But we're also saying that people who aren't into sport can still take some insights from sports athletes, psychological insights that, as we've said, there's parts of it that can maybe fall into the kind of like airy fairy stuff. And that doesn't have a lot of psychological science behind it, but I think there is still insights there that are very relevant, but, like you keep we keep coming back to about sport being that um microcosm of life sport is judged so definitively on results it's a, you know there's always that kind of throwaway line that kind of cliche of sports is a results based business you know you hear that on every commentator says that or manager says that and like what you said about having respectable goals and that can be if you're not into sport respectable goals about what you want to achieve in your career in life whatever but also imagine if we lived life where we judged ourselves and our results and failures so harshly like sports athletes do, you know, the world would be a mess. That's also something contentious. But I, I, I think there is a degree of that as well. Like in, in other careers as well, I do think that that is the way, which is unfortunate, but I do think we're kind of turning over a new page now in that people are realizing that like, like nobody's perfect, you know? Um, yeah. and that like, if you set goals too high and continue not to, uh, continue to not reach them and then you become depressed as a result, well, that's not going to help anybody, particularly yourself. Um, going back to the point you were making about people not into sport as well. I, I think it's, it's the same thing though. Um, the same things, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes, um, same things, um, are the same tools we can use to deal with failure in sport. 
I think apply to everybody in the real world. Like failure in sport and failure outside of sport are, are not very different things. Like in the same tools can be used to deal with them. So. And I'm curious, obviously, like I said, you don't, you're not sports psychologist, but at least you're looking into this stuff. As, a, as a, someone with a psychological background, is the concept of failure and, and responding to failure, is, that, is, a, is, a, is it a complex area? Is it an interesting area? We talk a lot about how there's very, it's very hard to define where can people improve or where can people actually take actual concrete insights from. Is failure an actual area that could, have, that could be improved in a lot of people, if that makes sense, okay. or dealing with yeah. failure? Okay, so I have two hats on here. And again, my background is not sports psychology, but I do and think it's extremely relevant. My first hat is firstly, well, okay, I'll explain first. There's two different types of failure in sport. There's the failure of basically not meeting your goals at the end of a year, for example, losing a final or not making a team, for example. And then there's short-term failures in relation to missing an open goal in a match or messing up on your routine, for example. So I think there are different approaches to both of them. It's the first thing. Um, okay. I will start with the, yeah, okay. The obvious one to start with, I suppose, is this is always the hat that I have on is the CBT hat is basically this idea that you can't control every single situation, but you can always control how you think about the situation. I think this is extremely relevant to athletes. And I think also this is what sports psychologists do. Um, I've spoken to a few now at this stage and I do have a good idea that basically athletes can go through a lot of their life think in unhelpful thought patterns. So when something bad happens, like you lose a game, you're thinking that was all my fault or, for example, even though it couldn't be all your fault in a team sport or maybe it was out of your control. Another example might be um, we're never going to win again. That's not going to improve your performance. Um, and so being able to flip these thoughts are very, very important, um, both in the short term within a match and also long term after something bad or after a failure has happened. So, um, again, like I can't go through every single situation and go through unhelpful thought, helpful thought. But um, this is what I think coaches should be improving on. They should be able to basically be able to identify what are unhelpful thought patterns and helpful thought patterns um, in any in any situation. So. That's the first thing. My other hat then, um, what I'm always thinking of is, because this is my expertise, is an emotion regulation or an emotion specifically. The biggest emotion the failure will create undoubtedly is shame. So mm. it's, um, I'm not good enough, is the general response or is a common response to failure. Um, and so the approach to that is, well, what the research shows is the most effective is the uh, compassion-focused therapy. This idea of compassion is the need to make an effort again and again to remind yourself that you are not perfect, essentially, and that yeah. everybody makes mistakes. Uh, and as long as you learn from the mistakes, you're getting uh, better, you're performing better, or you're improving as a person or as an athlete the next day, essentially. Um, like in the context of sport everyone loses of course they do everybody has their off like you gave the example of michael jordan the greatest basketball player of all time lost a lot failed a lot that's part of it but they it wasn't basically that you were a finished product while you're an athlete you're slowly improving over time through more experiences um so yeah 
Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. And you mentioned that there are two types. You obviously have your short term. So you're talking about there's a CBT aspect of understanding, you know, helpful thoughts, unhelpful thoughts. And then there's the emotion and, you know, how do you deal with that particular emotion and identifying that and being open and honest about that. But you mentioned there were two types. There's obviously the short term goals. And then there's the broader, maybe team-based goals, the not winning a championship. And each are, in, each are different because probably the individual shame missing the penalty might in the moment hit that person quite a lot more. And then in a team environment, that can, uh, if it's an overall team goal, you can maybe argue, well, it wasn't my fault. I actually did my best and that guy didn't do the best. So you deal with the failure a little bit better. I'm sure in an individual sport, again, that they don't have that benefit, but is there a different way to approach or consider those various um i like the example you gave of the penalty this is an interesting thing um that we actually do in the workshop sports obviously draws in a lot of students so i often pick the athletes in the class and i, I ask them the question if you missed a penalty in the last minute to lose the game whose fault is you lost the game nine children out of ten will always say it's completely my fault and that's not looking at the bigger picture because for example the rest of the team had however many minutes to score and they didn't, Jorna couldn't have been responsible for all of the goals and points that your team conceded. So it's kind of realizing that you're not in full control of any situation. And I suppose it's about finding that balance of realizing you're in full control of how much effort you put in, but you're not in, or how you act around the referee, for example, but you're not in full control of situations. Um, and balancing that kind of locus of control is what it's called. That's very, very important. In relation to very, very short-term failure, like, for example, you miss an open goal or you score an own goal, um, the emotion regulation strategy of acceptance is really, really important here. Um, if you wallow in that moment, and I do think this is fully controllable, if you wallow in that moment, I think your performance is shot. It's done. So yeah. you have to train yourself, um, and this does involve training, of basically accepting it in the moment that that has happened, now move on. Um, and you, you see this in high-performance sport, like you often see somebody scoring an own goal or missing, missing an open goal. And you can see some people, or penalties in rugby, I see it very common. If somebody misses an easy penalty, there's some players, they don't even think about it. It's done, you know, it's out yeah. of the way. There's some players who are kind of like throwing their eyes up to heaven and like slap, like slapping the ground or whatever. You know, that's mm. very, very important in sport, I think. And that has a big thing with sports psychology is basically being able to accept, okay, this has happened, move on, focus on the next ball, for example. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, this is where I think failure is interested. There's lots of li little things um, that I think, like I would see, particularly team sports, I would see team sports as a game of chess, where basically chess is not about how good you are, it's about how few mistakes you make. There's a difference. Mm. Um. This idea, like, there's a famous speech, sorry, I'm giving more sports movies uh, in any given Sunday. The very yeah. famous speech by Abuchino that it's like, Abuchino, every, yeah. Uh, yeah, like every little um, moment, like that's what a game is made up of is every little moment. So basically, if you minimize the mistake in any given moment, the team who makes less mistakes is going to win against the team who makes more. Um, and so it's not about basically making no mistakes. That's unrealistic. But it's the idea that if you make a mistake, don't make the mistake in the next game. 
And so what you're doing as a coach or as a team or as an individual is you're minimizing the mistakes over time to get better and better. And this is where this mindset comes in of basically like seeing a failure as first attempt in learning. Okay, I made that mistake. Now I'm going to minimize the chances of doing it. And if I do do it again, I, I know what to, I know how to think in that situation. Mm. That mm. makes sense. But it just takes practice. Um, and like, I find it crazy. Obviously, sports psychology is being addressed, but everything we're talking about here, like from my experience young, as I was younger, like obviously coaches didn't have training in this, but none of that, this is addressed. It's just no, I, I was almost about to say, because uh, it's funny, because I was, I, I was about to say, unbeknownst to themselves, the kind of old school GAA hurler on the ditch who'd roar at you saying, next ball, next ball. Although in, in their head, you know, they're just throwing out a throwaway comment. But when you when you just uh, condense that down into, well, that concept of next ball in a GA context is actually psychologically that very beneficial to that whole wallowing idea where you're forget about the mistake you made because you're no benefit to anyone thinking about that. Think about the next thing. And then that feeds into, well, you've made a mistake once. Try not to make it a second time. So forget about it making it once trying to make a second time to minimize that number of mistakes, then, you know, making that, making that whole problem worse by following up one mistake by another, by another. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, as someone who plays sports still, still has things, you know, be interesting to coach a team in other, in lots of sports. But the idea that, you know, when I'm listening to some of these insights and seeing as a coach, you know, even from a very young age, getting kids used to the concept of failure and, um, working individually with kids to see how they respond to failure and then kind of talk to them and see how, how, how you can help them develop in their the way of understanding it. And then also building in a habit of, because reducing mistakes is a very tangible thing. It just involves, as you said, repetition, repetition, and over time trying to get better at the key fundamentals of your sport. Again, a very tangible thing. And finally, that idea of you make a mistake, you forget about it because you don't want to make a second one. And that concept of not wallowing in the moment is also very interesting, but really contextualizing at that down to a child that this has a, a specific impact. It's not just a throwaway comment. It's quite interesting that you can also build a lot of resilience to failure in life for people with those codes. Going back to what we were just talking about as well in relation to this results-based sport, I find it interesting, particularly as I was younger, if you're playing a sport because you love the sport, um, from my experience anyway, I don't think you're phased too much about you making a mistake. You know, you just want to get yeah. the next ball or you just want to do like the routine, for example, in different sports again. Um, as opposed to if a child is being told you need to win, you need to win, you need to win. I think it's them children or them athletes that are more likely to be devastated by a mistake. Yeah. And so it goes back to this idea of as opposed to needing to win it's the importance of just trying your hardest. And if you fail, that's fine, but you're better than you were. Um, yeah. I think it's important to realize um, it's something I actually only read this recently. Like you'd often forget the continuum, but like the opposite to shame is pride. So as opposed to I'm such an idiot, I'm not good enough. The opposite is I'm proud of myself. I did very yeah. well. There. Um and so it's about balancing that. Like you do need a degree of shame. You should put yourself down a small bit if you don't meet goals you expected to meet. But most of the time you want to be more proud and you want to be um, ashamed. That's very, yeah. very, very important. 
And I think... Uh, I, I, um, and then the final thing I, I also wanted to mention... Uh, well, I was just about to touch on very briefly what you said about the shame. The thing is, um, again, a kind of a constant theme is, one, the feeling of um, failure is, oh, you remember your failures more than your successes. Shame can be quite a powerful emotion. It, it drives a lot of emotion in us. But as a coach or as an athlete, because of that, quite a strong feeling you get from that feeling of shame it also on the flip side can can offer a very powerful response so if you approach it in the right way and say okay rather take this really difficult situation where i do feel a lot of shame and that's why we're not saying do not get rid of the shame you should still feel shame when you don't need to go as you expect but then if you take that pain and that shame and turn it into a positive where you say, okay, how can I learn from the experience to get better? And as you said, not wallow in the shame. Yeah. The result can be quite powerful. And I think, I think that's something that's important. That's, that's resilience. It's basically the mindset that I'm feeling this negative emotion of shame. And it goes back to what we were talking about with the, everybody's a winner. Doesn't yeah. work. It's like, I have, I failed here, but it's making me stronger, stronger than the person who I was before the failure. And that's the mm -hmm. point. Um, another very, very helpful thought that I think is help, um, useful to a lot of athletes as well is this idea that it doesn't have to be right now. Because sometimes I think when people put in an effort, they think it like that they are destined to win, that they have to win, but they're still better than they were the year before. And so just because it hasn't happened now doesn't mean it won't happen in the future, but you need to exert the same, if not more effort. Um, and like, I think a perfect example of that, I'm biased being Kilkenny, but like Henry Shefflin was, was kind of a nobody um, underage. You know, he didn't get onto any underage teams. If he did, he was only barely on the panel. He ended up becoming one of the best hurlers, I would say, ever. ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this idea basically, yeah, it doesn't have to happen right now. Um, I think it's a very, very important message for um, particularly young athletes. Yeah. And you hear that all the time. You see that all the time. I think sports is nearly a better one. Like how many uh, childhood prodigies are there? Like realistically, when you think about it, when you go, when you think about, even when you think about soccer is an easy one because everyone knows about football, soccer, whatever you call it, but everyone knows about it. It's, it's the most broadly known sport. And when you think about it, how many real childhood prodigies who not only were successful as a child, were successful throughout their early years, and then fully successful for their whole careers. Like you could count that on your one hand. People will throw out random names, but you, you could really count on, you know, 10 players who were really good as, as a young kid on the block and then continue that success throughout their career. It's so small. So, but then you hear lots of stories of people who were journeyman players who were underappreciated under one manager and then it clicked all at a certain age and, or who were really good at a younger age and then kind of drifted off as they got older. I mean, the idea that, yeah, you know, you can sit down and say to yourself, if you get yourself in the right mindset, you're guaranteed for success. Nearly having that awareness that it mightn't happen now. It might not always, it also mightn't happen ever. It might happen now and it might never happen again. The concept that the time frame isn't the same for everyone. And I, there's so many things out of your control in a, in a sport in general that just getting everything in your own head right, followed up with all the physical side of it right, you still might win. So you also have to have that awareness to at some point go, yeah, you see, it gets more complicated then as well. You know, I was emphasizing this idea of winning. Um, high performance athletes, if they want to make a living out of yeah. sport, 
it is about winning then <laughs> like you know yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh this brings up um a very very important message then of a big big learning curve and this is probably the most difficult learning curve that a high performance athlete will discover is knowing sometimes you're just not good enough um and you should quit um like learning to be okay with being average with being the best among maybe like your friends at the sport but not being good enough at county or international level or going over to england to play soccer for example um that can be i i feel a very very difficult um issue because it basically destroys your identity you see yourself as a soccer player or as a specific athlete and you have to realize that you're not you're not good enough so you need to to move on yeah yeah i think i do think that concept of uh once it becomes a professional once it becomes your career and your job is is quite a difficult one um and that one i think that people Obviously, we look at the amount of money that some professional athletes have made and we feel jealous or, you know, we're envious of them. Maybe we give out about them. We say they don't deserve it, that kind of thing. But you also have to concept. But it actually, that just that comment reminded me of the podcast I did with uh, uh, Suzanne Siddig, the ballet dancer. And I asked her that question as to when the dancing became something that you were just really passionate about as a kid into something now that you were doing as a career and it was actually your livelihood what was that experience like? And, I remember, and she said that was a very difficult thing to process. It was something that almost made her ashamed, funny enough, because she looked back at how she approached the sport as a child where it was free-spirited and she just loved the idea of dancing and it was just in her to now suddenly every little thing, an injury, uh, bad performance, uh, not getting picked for a certain performance in a show, all those little things became a bigger deal because now that's driving your career. And that's as you're rightly said. We talk about having a healthy view on a healthy respect for failure. Um, but again, if our lives day to day were dominated on our success and failures as much as sports sometimes is, and that part of our lives was what drove our livelihood, well, then failure becomes a very difficult thing to just say, ah, you should deal with it, get over it, and ready for the next stage, because that could be the difference between being able to you know feed your family or you know provide for yourselves it's the same thing it goes down to these helpful and unhelpful thinking that basically the helpful thought is often the difficult one of i'm not good enough um and that's okay which that's the compassion aspect and then that moves to the helpful behavior of changing your identity you know moving mm. starting to accept it as opposed to the unhelpful thought pattern of no i am good enough i need to just keep trying keep trying keep trying even though the results aren't happening no. Yeah. It's a hard decision to make though, because as an athlete, you commit and you sacrifice so many other parts of your life to get to a certain level. Then if you just what's the cutoff point, you know, that's also a hard thing. What's the point to say make it make a decision? So I, I suppose the cutoff point is when it's starting to affect your um your life, yeah, you know, negative way. It's that idea like you should try, but if you're continuously trying and basically it's taking over your life but you're not seeing the results then. And I think that's yeah, thing to move away, but easier said than done, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say then to kind of wrap it up, Christy, because we've talked a lot about some of the different uh, concepts of failure, but if we were to kind of condense that into a couple of key takeaways that like we've 
rightly pointed out, not everyone is a Michael Jordan or not everyone is an athlete, just an athlete. Like, so for anyone, be it an athlete, be it a parent, be it a coach, uh, be it just an average person who wants to get a little bit more in their life and approach their life a little bit more strategically and deal with the pains of everyone's failures. What, what would you say are because some of the kind of key takeaways that people should think about whatever the failures in their life are? Um, firstly, it's obviously hard to say to somebody who's just after, it's just after happening to, but failure is a good thing as long as you have the right mindset along that, alongside that failure. Um, this idea, what we teach in the workshops, it's first attempt in learning. You're getting better than you were yesterday, and that's the point. It's not about avoiding the failure. It's about learning from it and becoming better each time. As a team, less, uh, I suppose, less mistakes. Um, failures equal mistakes. So less, um, less mistakes over time, less failure, which leads to that development then as a person. And then the emotion regulation strategies in CBT is the helpful thoughts in the moment, the emotion regulation strategy of acceptance. And then finally, also remembering that self-compassion. Everybody makes mistakes and that's okay. Um, yeah. Proof. Cool. No, I think I think that's a wrap. Uh, uh, for anyone who has been listening, we will definitely put those points in the show notes. We'll include maybe some of those links to those movies because I'll need those links too. Um, I uh, this whole this whole session actually reminded me of uh, this is so cringy as well, but it reminded me of uh, uh, the I don't know. Do you watch the Gary Neville uh, podcast that he does the overlap as what it's called, where he interviews all these players and he has a section on it about failure and he has this quote which is cringy but i think it actually ties into what you're saying about dealing with the failure is he says failure is a bruise it's not a tattoo and the idea that it's something that if you deal with it in the right way it'll go away it's not something that's with you for life i think that's an easy way to sum it up but yeah guys as always stay uh, in touch with us online on social media you can follow what we're doing and um, we're obviously coming into the summertime where we have a little bit of a lull from our workshop so time where we try and assess and look at what we're going to bring um, and address going forward but if you have any ideas for future podcast guests future topics to cover on the podcast as always please let us know and until next time mind yourselves i'm not coach carter yes (laughs) 